0: God has a plan for you. Really? You know, that's one of those statements you can change the meaning by changing how you emphasize the last part of it. God has a plan for you. Really? Or God has a plan for you. Really? Well, what does that mean if you're out of work? Is that just a platitude? You know, does that really make you feel better? What does that mean? God has a plan for you if you've been out of work for a while. Well, we got some people who are wondering about it, you know, and it's changing the meaning by changing the emphasis. It reminds me of an old Zig Ziglar story where he talked about just taking an ordinary statement. Let's say like, uh, I did not say he stole the lawnmower. Well, you could change the meaning dramatically just by your emphasis. "I I did not say he stole the lawnmower. I did not say he stole the lawnmower. I did not say he stole the lawnmower. I did not say stole the lawnmower. Well, there are words are important. We're going to talk about that as well. We're going to jump into these tough questions right here in the 48 days podcast. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out it's time for 48 days to the work you love with Dan Miller on the 48 days online radio show. Whether you need a professional tune up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, it's a pleasure to jump into these questions with you today. As always, lots of great questions. And t- today, you know, we often have kind of themes where the questions kind of group in there. I guess I, my eyes start to see questions that are kind of the same, and today is no exception. So we got questions like this. Unemployment is at an all-time low. So why can't I find a job? How about this? Feeling like a piece of trash at 53 years old. I know I have a lot to offer, but nobody wants it, apparently. And then this, and I know all the catchphrases. It takes longer than you expect. God's got a plan. Stay positive. Well, it's tough when you're discouraged to hear those things and move on. We'll talk about that. Dan, do you believe in all those personality tests companies give you before they continue with your interview? Well, we got that and more that we're going to move into. Here's our quotation for today. And we are, well, let's just use a Bible verse for today, since we got this question about, you know, does God really have a plan for us? This comes from Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Those of you who are Bible scholars certainly know this one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So we'll use that one. We'll use that one as our our verse today, our inspiration. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Great to hear. We want to believe that. Let's believe it and move on. Well, our resource for today is our upcoming webinar. If you go to 48dayseagles.com slash 15 hours, you're gonna see there the webinar coming up on November 14th. I'm gonna talk about how to turn 15 hours a week into $4,800 a month in your own business in six months. Now, I know we got a lot of specifics in there, but I'm gonna break it down and show you how to do that by using your time in four different areas and how to take an idea and turn it into significant income. Again, that's gonna be November 14th, Thursday, either at 1 o'clock p.m., Central or 7 p.m. Central. You take your choice. Go to 48dayseagles.com slash 15 hours. Of course, we'll put that in the show notes. Well, good news item here. This one just made me feel good. After four years of sending messages to her late father's phone number, she suddenly gets a reassuring text back. It's been four years since Chastity Patterson lost her beloved father. And just as she was finally preparing to let go of her grief, she got an astonishing text message out of the blue. Now, her dad died four years ago. He had never missed a school dance or sporting event, gave her lots of love and advice. She talks about the things that he did to make her the woman she is today. So through four years of college, the 23-year-old has been texting her dad's old phone number every day, sending him messages about her life, telling him about her challenges and troubles. Well, finally, the day came in October when she felt ready to let him go. On the eve of the fourth anniversary of his death, she texted him one last time, recapping everything he'd missed, how she overcame cancer and had just graduated from college. After summing up her feelings, she finally concluded her text by saying that she would always love and miss him, and wasn't going to text anymore. Well, imagine her surprise when she got a message back and it said, hi, sweetheart. I'm not your father, but I've been getting all your messages for the past four years. I look forward to your morning messages and nightly updates. My name is Brad. I lost my daughter in a car wreck in August of 2014. Apparently got your dad's phone number. Your messages have kept me alive. When you text me, I know it's a message from God. I'm sorry you lost someone so close to you, but I've listened to you over the years and I've watched you grow and go through more than anyone. I've wanted to text you back for years, but I didn't want to break your heart. You're an extraordinary woman and I wish my daughter would have become the woman you are. I'm sorry you have to go through this, but if it makes it any better, I'm very proud of you. Well, needless to say, Chastity was in awe of the response. Shared the message on Facebook. Been getting a lot of other texts text about it, feedback about it. Just today was my sign that everything is okay and I can let him rest. What isn't that just a fun story? You know, we don't try to have to try to unpack it with all its meaning. It's just a great story. Human interest story, texting her dad to his old phone number, a dad who lost his daughter was getting them, didn't want to break the cycle of getting the messages she was sending. Well, great story. A lot of them out there. Keep your eyes open for the good news all around us. Here's one, less work and more productivity. Microsoft experimented with a four-day work week in Japan and found that productivity increased 40% joining a growing number of companies experimenting with shortened work weeks and finding positive results. Now, how about that? What do you think about that? Microsoft went to a four-day work week in Japan, found that productivity increased 40%. Now, here I I really should have researched a little bit. I didn't, I just grabbed this news item. I'm not sure if they went to four 10-hour days, which a lot of companies are doing. So you still get the 40 hours in, but in four days instead of five. But uh, interesting, people are experimenting. You know, nothing's written in stone these days. I mean, you can negotiate for the most unbelievable things if you just simply ask and are creative. I mean, companies aren't locked into just old models of work. And certainly, as if you're looking for work, you can design something creative that fits what it is that you want. Well, this comes from Aaron, who says, Unemployment. Is that an all-time low? I keep hearing you talk about that. So why can't I find a job? Aaron says, I'm in a difficult spot that I've been in too many times to count. I'm in my 40s with kids and a wife. I've never held a job for more than three years. The industry I'm in, commercial property management, is one that I love, but it does not love me. I'll keep that poignant phrase in mind. Aaron continues, I'm constantly losing my job due to buildings I manage selling and the new owner getting a different manager. I know I should find a different industry, but the only interviews I get are for real estate property management. Because of my history, I know all the catchphrases. It takes longer than you expect. God's got a plan. Stay positive because it's so easy to be depressed. Keep at it. I work out daily. Listen to Bible devotions, search for jobs, work around the house, etc. Still week after month go by without an offer. I recently relocated to a city I don't know for a job that only lasted nine months. How frustrating is that? I guess what I need is motivation, encouragement, and direction. I took a skills assessment. It said one of the top 10 careers I should focus on is mayor or CEO. Come on. I have no interest in starting my own company. Been there, failed at that. At this point, I'm just waiting for my life to start up again. Well, a lot of interesting things there, but let me tell you this, Aaron, you are not limited to one kind of job. There's no way. I don't care what your degree is. I don't care if your degree is in property management. You're not limited to one kind of job. I mean, that's the first thing. I want you to back up a little bit, take a broader look at who you are and what you're all about. You know, in 48 Days to the Work You Love, I distinguish between vocation, career, and job. Vocation is the big picture. What is it that you want to do to make the world a better place? How do you want to be remembered? That's the big picture. If you want to you know, help reduce pain and suffering in the world or something like that. Career then is a subset of that. If we use that as an example, you want to reduce pain and suffering in the world. You know, as a career, you could be a physician, a sports massage therapist, biochemist, pastor, evangelist, politician, teacher. I mean, there are a lot of careers where you could fully embrace your goal to reduce pain and suffering in the world. Job then is just the smallest component. Job is what you do daily to get a paycheck at the end of the week. But if we frame it as such, you ought to be able to understand changing jobs should not change your vocation. I mean, that's your calling, your purpose, your mission, your destiny. It that should stay the same and that you can figure that out, but then see what the new applications are going to be. So let's go back to these, just some of these kind of platitudes. I think this is really important because when you're in between opportunities, like we like to call it around here, you know, you've had a hard time getting a job. You don't like the industry that you're in. I mean, what does it mean? You know, these platitudes about God's will can sometimes leave us sitting on the side of the road feeling lost. But here's how we have to look at this. God is not going to tell you to buy a Ford or a Chevy. You're going to have to do the research to then make an intelligent decision. I mean, being in God's will is, is it's kind of like being on a cruise ship. I mean, you need to be on the ship, but you get to choose your own cabin golly, there may be 4,000 cabins. You get to choose. We have a tremendous amount of freedom to be in God's will, but still a wide variety of choices within that. Now, we can get closer to that perfect will by looking at what we already know about ourselves. My goodness. But if you're having a hard time supporting your family with sporadic jobs in property management, I am totally confident God is giving you the freedom and probably the gentle nudge to consider some other options. And when you say property management does not love me, goodness, you have the information you need to redirect into something that you love and that loves you back. So take a fresh look at your skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions. From those, you should be able to make a list of 20 things. It would be strong possibilities. Now, Narrow down to four or five based on what fits you best. Then choose one, create a plan to position yourself there in the next 30 days. I mean, this is a workable process. You can do this. Don't allow yourself to stay stuck in a career that does not love you back. Well, this comes from Paul. This one's pretty tough as well. So what do you do when you get laid off at 53 and nobody wants to look at you because you are too experienced and too old? They can hire hundreds for less, but you have to make a living wage. Don't have anyone to fall back on. Ultimately planning on going into missions full time, but needing a job that will allow you to earn good money in between and be able to travel to raise funds. Laid off again in January this year, hardly any bites. I was formerly a project manager and hated it. All I ever wanted to do in life was be a stay-at-home mom and wife. Never married, so that didn't happen. Still don't have a job title that says, this is what I want to be. Plenty of suggestions to change my resume and lie about what I've done. Feeling like a piece of trash at 53. I know I have a lot to offer, but nobody wants it apparently. I'm tired and need to earn an income. I've tried everything I can think of. Paul, you've packed a whole lot into one lengthy paragraph there. But let me tell you this, this mindset will cripple you. The mindset will convince you no one is hiring and lock you into the reality you are describing. I mean, our words are so powerful. What we say to ourselves is the most powerful message anywhere. I mean, it does it supersedes books, friends, billboards, messages that drop from the sky, that what we tell ourselves is so powerful. You know, I just did a podcast with my son, Kevin, who hosts the Ziegler podcast, very popular podcast, just passed 40 million downloads. So he's rocking with that. We did a section on, and this is, this is what it was based on. He put a post up in Facebook. says, do you really think it would be possible for you to replace all these statements? I have to, I've got to, I need to, with other kinds of responses. Well, he wanted to interview me. We did a dynamite session on that because I believe you can replace all of those things. I have to, I've got to, I need to, with I choose to, I get to, I'm going to. We can choose, and that changes our approach to the things that comprise our day instantly. Just changing that. I'll put a link to that. It was, well, I think it was show number 728, where stop talking like a victim. Now, I know this doesn't solve everything that you've addressed here, Paula, and I don't have easy answers. I don't know what it is you want to do. Again, you like I responded in the previous question, take a fresh look at yourself. You ought to be able to come up with what it is that really fits you and move into that with confidence, even if it's a life situation that you didn't expect. If you'd rather be married and home with kids, I mean, I don't have easy solutions for that, but knowing that your life is what it is today, what you want to do is make yourself somebody that a man would want to have as his wife and mother of his children. You know, Darren Hardy, years ago, he, he writes about this in one of his books where he was single and really wanted to be married. And so he wrote out very, very carefully with lots of detail. It was like 30 pages long. The qualities that he wanted in a woman. When he got finished, he looked at that and he thought, my goodness, my goodness, would a woman like that really want me? So what he focused on was making himself the kind of man that a woman he described would want. And ultimately, von Victoria, and the rest is history. But make sure you're doing things to live life fully, even where you are right now. It'll open doors of opportunity to move into the kind of life you ultimately want. All right. Rossi says, Dan, enjoy your show. Love your book. Do you believe in all those personality tests companies give you before they continue with your interview? That was it. Well, (laughs) yes, I do. But let me qualify that because those personality tests should not be the determinant of whether they hire you or not. I mean, they're a very tiny piece in the whole process, but they're an important piece. I mean, I love those personality tests that you talked about because they do tell us more about ourselves. I'm not looking for a job, but I take those personality tests every time somebody shows me a new angle on one, a new one coming down the pike, if it's strength finders or the happiness indicator or fascination index or the Enneagram or whatever it is, I take it. I jump in there because I think it's fascinating just uh, to give me a little bit more information about myself. I can use that effectively. You can do the same. So don't begrudge this when companies use it. And don't think that any reasonable company is going to reject you based on that alone. But Historically, when we talk about personality style, and there's a lot of information out there and a lot of different approaches to this, but the old information, you know, coming from Hippocrates, uses the four categories, but the terms used were sanguine, choleric, melancholic, phlegmatic. Now, those don't even sound, how how would you like to have people refer to you as phlegmatic? I mean, it sounds like some kind of a nasal condition, doesn't it? But really, the word means relaxed, peaceful, quiet, easygoing. good at problem solving. Well, the others in there, you know, choleric, somebody who's extroverted, independent, decisive, goal-oriented, associated with dominant and short-tempered behavior. Well, those terms, sanguine, choleric, melancholic, phlegmatic, sound pretty familiar when you really look at the definitions to the categories we use with the DISC. Now, you hear us talk about that? That's our preferred personality profile here at 48 Days. We use the DISC, the acronym being DISC, Dominant, Influencing, Steady, Compliant. I mean, that's, those are useful things just to kind of see what somebody's tendencies are. I use that with every person with whom I coach before I ever see them, before I meet. I want to have that. And I had a gentleman just this last week that I started in coaching, and he had a very unusual disc profile. There are three graphs in that, and all of those were above the midline. That's really, really unusual. Well, guess what? He's in the middle of a transition. He just sold a company. Has no idea what he's going to do next, and that's very indicative of that kind of a graph, where somebody is really not clear even about how they're relating to other people, what they should do, and it just lined up with what he then told me. Yes, he is in the middle of a transition. You don't want to go on back. I mean, people like Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, Abraham Maslow, Golly Alfred Alder, I mean, all those guys had clear ideas about what personalities were indicated based on the people that they talked to. I mean, one of the big ones, of course, that came out of that is the Myers-Briggs profile, where uh, you know we, we see there terms like introverted, extroverted, thinking, feeling. So on. Well, the well, the categories really are, are you introverted or extroverted? Are you more likely to trust your senses or your intuition? Do you approach the world by thinking or by feeling? Are you judging, meaning to come to conclusions about things, or perceiving, meaning that you're open to new information? Well, in those, we get those numbers. I am clearly I-N-T-J in that introverted, using my intuition, not my senses, using thinking way more than feeling, and quick to judge rather than perceiving. And looking for a lot of information. I'm an INTJ. That tells me a lot about how I work, how I relate to other people. And that should be useful information for anybody that would be considering, you know, hiring me. So yeah, you know, it can be don't don't begrudge those inventories that they give you. Do them see it as a learning experience for yourself first and foremost regardless of where it goes and again no company that's worth its weight in salt so to speak would use just a personality profile and make that the basis you know they're going to say you know is this true for you you know you seem to be pretty introverted you're more comfortable being alone is that true well in this position you're really going to be working with customers you know you're going to see 300 customers every day walking in the door is that going to be a challenge for you? So it should be a realistic way to look at, is this a fit for you? So see it as an advantage. All right, let's move on. Robert says, Dan, I have a question about ideas for how to accomplish something a bit different from our website. As a proud 48 Days Eagle, you're familiar with my precision bookmark, which I renamed to Brainy Bookmarks. Per your suggestion. Thank you. I love it. I'll be launching soon on Amazon. But here's Robert's question. The problem is, I have probably close to three. Oh, okay. He says, on the siding pointers, now this is a little bookmark, it's made out of leather and there's a sliding section so you can mark not only the page, but exactly where on the page you were. They're really innovative, beautifully done. And Robert says, on the sliding pointers, I want to engrave significant Bible verses I think customers would love to have. The problem is, I have probably close to 300 verses highlighted for potential engraving. Add, that to, add, add to that the complexity of customers wanting the verses in their own favorite Bible translation. It would be daunting enough to only use uh, the King James Version, which, of course, is in the public domain. Anyway, he's saying, you know, how can he make this work? How can he make this work financially? Well, here's the deal, Robert. You can't. You can't have a $10 to $15 item and personalize it for every customer, There's no way in the world you're going to be able to make the money work on that. You know, the time set up, and you can't do that. Now, what you can do in something like this is make up, is have a selection of perhaps 10 different verses that you have engraved on these bookmarks. So somebody can choose which of those they would like for their own. In that sense, they get a lot of selection. They get to choose. They feel like they'd really have ownership in it. That's cool. I mean, that you can do and that you can make work where you do 200 of each of those verses as an example where you have those in inventory and then when you need to replace one you know you make another 200 of that same thing so you can set up the machine to do that but to make it personalized for each one don't don't beat yourself up with that I, I don't think there's any way in the world you could make that financially viable to do that great question love those kind of inventions and possibilities connected with those. This comes from John. Now, this is a reflection on one of the things I talked about in the news section last week. So, in the previous podcast where I talked about the disparity between what coaches, college coaches, football coaches specifically, make in terms of money and what the governors of the state make or the presidents of the university. Well, I talked about the fact, I think Nick Saban makes like 9.8 million and the governor of the state makes 120,000, you know, tiny, tiny percentage. Well, John writes, I was listening to your commentary on the disparity between salaries of governors and college football coaches. We have to remember that college football coaches are not just being paid to coach a team, but to bring an incredible amount of revenue into the university when you think about the media income, ticket sales, the number of students that enroll because of the reputation of the university's football team, sponsorships, other revenue sources, so much of this goes back to the coach having a successful program. It's basically a return on investment. So to compare a governor with a football coach is comparing apples with oranges. Um, okay, well, let's, let me just stop there. You know, yeah, you're absolutely right. But is that... The only measurement of how somebody should be compensated. You know, what about the governor? What about the president of the university? What about somebody, you know, teaching ethics? Uh, it, how are they adding revenue? Well, probably not very directly. Should they then be paid $20,000 because of that? You know, what about a school teacher? You know, what is that school teacher in a public school doing to generate revenue? Probably not much. Well, that's kind of reflected. Our society says, if you aren't generating revenue and in, in some ways, I really like that. I like the connection. You know, I like people to be compensated. I mean, everybody that we have at 48 days is compensated very directly based on revenue generated. So if we start a new, if we launch a new course, as an example, you know, there are people that are going to benefit a whole lot if that course does well. And if it does not, they're not going to get much. So not just based on the time they put in. Now, when we start to extend this, man, I mean, I knew one time a, a pastor who started a church and they didn't really have the money to pay him. And he said, that's okay. I'll take care of myself, but I'll just we'll just make it easy. We'll just make it a tithe number. So whatever the church generates in revenue, you pay me 10%. They said, well, gee, that's great. I mean, if the first year they took in $100,000, that's going to be $10,000 they pay him. Well, the church grew. He apparently did a pretty good job of leading the church. And all of a sudden they were, I know know specifically at the time when they hit $6 million in revenue for a given year. Well, he's still at the 10%. That's $600,000. That's pretty good for a pastor of a church, but... Is that unreasonable? He did help grow the church to that amount of revenue. Well, this is a conversation we could go on with. I mean, I love thinking through the possibilities here. I love thinking through the ways that we can reasonably compensate people for their contribution. You know, there's sometimes it's not always directly connected to generating revenue. The disparity we talked about last week, football coaches and governors was just kind of an example to get our thinking going. John, I appreciate your feedback on that. Well, Mike says, and he leads off with abundance mentality is what he leads off with here. He says, hey, Dan, we are currently in a season where I'm the sole breadwinner. We have five young kids, my wife homeschools, and we are slowly digging our way out of debt. At this rate, we should be out of debt in about a year and a half to two years. I'm currently working a full-time job and trying to balance time with family. I often feel like I don't have a lot of time or money. How can I practically shift to having an abundance mentality during this season? Thanks for the, being the inspiration, Mike. Mike, I appreciate your question, and I, I think we can really unpack this easily. See this as a season. I mean, if you're gonna be out of debt in a year to a year and a half, wow, wow. That's a pretty short time in the scope of your life. So just focus on that goal. You know, I I remember back to when I was in graduate school. So it was a two-year program, a little more than that, including your thesis that you had to do. Anyway, I was in it about a year. And I told Joanne, man, this is nuts. I don't want to do this. You know, these guys, my professors, they don't have a clue about business, You know, they're just academicians. This is boring. I want to move on with my life. I've got ideas, things I want to do as an entrepreneur. And she said, now, wait a minute. You know, we made a big sacrifice to move to the university town. You've got a teaching assistantship. So I was getting my tuition covered because of that. She said, you know, we like the town. We're looking at one more year. Why don't you go ahead and just finish it? Just finish it. Even if you don't think it's going to be a direct correlation to anything that you do. And I didn't, I was just doing it for personal development. She says, why don't you just do it? Because you'll have the sense of satisfaction and it will open some new opportunities that we maybe can't even anticipate at this point. Well, that was good advice. I was working on my master's in clinical psychology. So I did, I just, I just decided I'm not going to second guess this. I'm just going to finish this. I've had a year, year and a half left. And I did that came through flying colors. It's a great time in our life. I got my master's degree and we went on from there. So Mike, I would encourage you to do the same thing here. Just see this as a short season in your life. Focus on your goal. However, at the same time, you don't want to give up having a life in the meantime. I mean, make sure that you're allowing time to play with your kids, date your wife, keep in shape physically, grow personally. Those things can't be put on hold. You can't, even if you're hyper focused on eliminating the death that you have, you can't put all those things on hold for a year, year and a half. You'll suffer consequences for the rest of your life in any of those areas, if you aren't doing those things. So, it's that delicate balance between being focused on the goal. And yes, you want to get to that insight as quick as you can, but don't give up having a life in the meantime. Sometimes I run into people who are doing that. They're so focused on a goal and they think they can compromise in every area of their life by being just hyper-focused on one area. Nah, they're going to pay, pay big, 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 uh, golly, big challenges as a result of that. So don't do that. Make sure you have a full, meaningful life, even as you're working toward a goal that over the scope of things is pretty short term. Now, let me, let me add one more thing there, really. If I were you, and I, I know me, I know Dan, I'd be looking for other ways, that, some of the many, many ways to add income quicker. If you really are just eliminating debt, but you're working a job, God, I'd be looking at what is it that I can do? What is it that I could get my kids involved with? Your homeschooling? Great opportunity. What is it we could get involved in, in with as a family that's going to bring in another $2,000 dollars a month, or whatever. I don't know what your financial margins are there, but you know, bring in a couple thousand dollars a month so that we can more quickly reach that goal of being debt-free and not have that noose around our neck. So I'd be doing that. Hey, check out our uh, upcoming webinar. November 14th, one o'clock or seven o'clock PM central time. I'm going to be going through that. You know, how to use 15 hours a week to generate significant income. I'll give you some guidelines for what you can expect there. Varies a lot based on what it is you choose, but you can really use 15 hours a week and create significant income in a six-month period of time. Now, I'm a big believer in the 48 days, believe me, and I think you can do a lot in 48, but realistically, in working with people over years and years and years now, we use that six-month mark as really kind of a marker for by then, you ought to be able to be at at least 50% of your normal income. If you've got an idea that really has merit and you're working toward developing that. So again, check that out. Go to 48daysEagles.com slash 15 hours. That's the free webinar coming up. I'd love to have you participate in that. And keep in mind, our verse for today came from Jeremiah 29.11. And that verse said, let me get our music going here. Let me see which one do I want to do? Let me go with this one today. We'll do that. The verse is Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah, we can, we can rest assured in that. You know, that's that subtle promise, God has a plan for us. But don't, don't blame it on God if you've gone for six months and you're unemployed. You've got way too much information, way too many opportunities. You need to look internally, create a plan, act on it. You can break that cycle. Well, also, if you have a question, didn't mention that. If you have got a question, be sure to shoot that in. I love seeing those come in. Honored by uh, you trusting me to add a little bit of insight into some of these things we unpack here. So shoot that in to askdan at 48 dayscom Again, that email address is askdan at 48 dayscom Well, this has been a pleasure. As always, I love, love, love having this time with you. Uh, thanks for being part. Thanks for the feedback that you give us, the feedback that you give. You Golly, jump in, rate and review the podcast. That'd be lovely as well. I'd love to see those come in. We're going to create some contests coming up, just things to I'll let you know that we care about your individual situations. You know, We try to be generous with resources to help you not only with the free downloads, but actual materials that you can use to help you. So we'll create some little contests about that. Shoot me questions. I may just decide you're somebody that is deserving of some of the resources that we've got here. Again, at 48 dayscom is the email address. Well, thanks for being part of this growing community. I love seeing what's happened in the Eagles community, but uh, honored to have you be part of this group where we know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great week.